Hallelujah. Father, we're so grateful to be here again. And Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for it bringing heaven's best into our lives. And so, Father, we're reaching for more. We're not satisfied. And we extend our faith and we lay hold of all that you have provided for us. Father, we're not okay with where we're at. We're reaching for more. We reach, we reach, we reach. We're hungry. And we thank you this morning for words that bring heaven to earth. And we thank you, Father, that the greatness of your plan, it is great in our life. It includes us and will not settle for anything less than your plan for our lives. And we thank you for it. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Pastor, again, thank you for having me and all those ladies who you helped make all of this work. We appreciate it. It's too bad we thought, Pastor Ruby and I thought we were just going to load stuff up in the trunk and <laughs> take it with us, but evidently we can't do that because you want it. So, no, and we can't get it on the plane easily, so we'll leave it back behind here for you. And uh, we, we just love being with you. There's a few items back at the book table we want to make you aware of. Um, this, this one, A Sound Disciplined Mind. I tell you what, uh, your life will equal your thought life. If, you're, uh, if your thought life is troubled, it will trouble your life. And so we have to make sure that we realize that we're the ones who have to do something with our minds. Uh, God did something with our spirits. He gave us a new one at the new birth. But our minds and our bodies are left as we are custodians of those. And uh, we have to do something with them. And can I tell you, your greatest defense against the enemy is a submitted body and a renewed mind. Yes. If you, if we, as we learn to keep our bodies under, keep our bodies submitted to our spirits, and we renew our minds, the door's closed to the devil. And uh, he would love for you to have an undisciplined thought life. I, I was watching... Uh, I, I, I like some of the stuff that they would have on History Channel. And if I ever get a chance, which isn't often, but if I ever get a chance to watch History Channel type stuff, I was watching this one uh, documentary that they were doing, and there's, there was a man who was a leading scientist and had helped uh, do something really, uh, really pretty great here in the United States, and he was under a lot of pressure. Uh, Henry Ford had given him money. Rockefeller had given him money to help him put his uh, some of his inventions in place, and he came under great pressure. And uh, during that, because his mind was tired, his body was tired, and it started breaking down. You know, when you when you get tired, the devil takes advantage of that. And uh, he started having mental issues. And uh, he came into the lab where he was doing work and some of his fellow scientists that were working with him, he made a statement to one of them. And notice he, he wasn't born again or anything, but he made this statement. He said, last night I was in my room and he said, a being came into my room. What was he seeing? He was seeing an evil spirit in his room. And he said, and that being said, your attention is mine and it will always be mine. Notice this, what was the devil after? His attention. Yeah. Why? Because if he gets his attention, he'll get his life. Right. He'll, get his, he'll get his family. He'll get his finances. Faith 
is where your attention goes. And uh, too many times, if we have our, if we we allow our attention to just go anywhere, it will weaken our faith. And uh, to have a disciplined thought life is part of walking in the light of the word. And so we have out there a sound, disciplined mind. How many of you know worry's wrong for the believer? It's not an option. Worry's not just an option. It's wrong. And uh, Dad Hagen used to teach us, how do you know if you're worrying if you're thinking about it? That just nails a lot of a lot of thought patterns to the wall, doesn't it? And if you're thinking about it, you're worrying. And uh, we're redeemed from living a life of that. And so uh, this is one of the most important books that uh, you take your mind with you everywhere you go, you know? And uh, you want it functioning in line with the words. So that is out there, a sound, disciplined mind. And then we have this one. Um, I, I quoted my husband last night, but this is where... Uh, this book started, he made one statement, and uh, in that, God opened a whole room up to me of, of seeing some things, and he made the statement, he said, the reason more people don't receive more in a service is because they don't respond more. Yeah. So notice this, we're the ones who determine how much we walk out of the room with, yeah. by how we respond. Yeah. If we uh, are disinterested, if we're distracted, if we uh, treat, treat the word as common, it matters how we treat the word. Amen. It matters how we treat the word. And uh, so I, uh, Dad Hagen came and preached at our church. In fact, ours was the last church he preached at before he went home to be with the Lord. It's the last church in the United States. He did one other meeting in Canada after that, but ours was the last one in the States. And... Uh, Whenever he was coming, I was teaching our people about the office he stood in because I wanted them to draw on the gift in him. I, I don't want him to just draw on the man, draw on the gift in the man. You know, I, I, I absolutely, when I get up to minister, I feel no pressure because it's not me. It's the, it's the greater one in me. And uh, it's about him flowing and him just yielding to him. And there's nothing in Nancy Dufresne that'll help you, but there's everything in the greater one that's in me that will help you. And uh, I was teaching the people to draw on the anointing in the office that he stood in. And uh, just believing God for the things that God had in mind to, for those services to come to pass. And the spirit of God spoke to me. God spoke to me and said, you can pray for my spirit to move in the services, but if the people don't respond yeah. when the spirit starts moving, it won't even matter that you prayed. That's right. That's right. That's right. And so this is what I taught. This message is the message I taught before dad Hagen came to our church, how to respond to the spirit, because whether or not we have a good service is not just up to the preacher and it's not just up to God. It's up to the people in the building. There's more of you than the preacher. You can have a preacher who has anointing and you can have a preacher who has a message to bring, but if the people sit indifferent and not hungry, it is not going to have an effect that it could have had because there's more of you than me. And you can throw the brakes on a service and I can't go any further than those brakes will allow me to go. God can't go any further than the brakes will allow him to go. That's why it matters how we come to church. It matters that we come hungry and ready and responsive. Amen. And so when I preached this message, this one message changed our church 
overnight and it's never been the same. I've had pastors ask me, what one thing would you recommend and preach uh, that would help your church the most? And this is one of those messages because if you can get people responding to the word, then you can get anything of the word in them. You can preach on faith and it'll get in them. You can preach on prosperity and it'll get in them. And if you can preach on healing, it'll get in them if they'll respond to what you're offering them. Amen. Amen. And you go, well, I don't know what you mean by responding. Sure you do. If you're married or if you've ever had anybody in a family member you've ever lived with, you know what it's like. Uh, Ladies, especially the married ones here. If he did something or said something that didn't quite set right with you. Yeah. Your response determines some things, right? And, you know, and and what if he decides, well, we're ready to put this behind us, and he reaches over to put his arm around, and you go like this? (laughs) Meaning, you might be ready, but I'm not ready. (laughs) Of course, none of us that are that carnal, but none of us, none of us, none of us. But how we respond determines how far he can go with us, right? right? That's right. It's the same thing with God. As far as we will respond, that's how far he will go. God's not the one that determines how far a service goes in the things of, in the things of his plan. We're the ones that determine it. Amen. And so it's not just up to the preacher. It's up to all of us here. Why? Because the words for those of us who are present. Amen. So that book is out there responding to the Holy Spirit. Listen, the local church is your place of practice. Your services are your practice place. If we don't know how to respond well in a service, when do you think that we're going to respond well if the devil's sitting on your head in the middle of the night and there's no other person around you to help you believe God? Amen. Services are places for you to practice hooking into your spirit and responding so that in the middle of the night when something comes, you already know how to to tap into the flow of your spirit and draw on the help that's in you. Amen? Amen. So that's out there. And then we have this one, following the Holy Spirit. Uh, This is the year after my husband went home to be with the Lord. This is the message that the Holy Ghost had me to focus on. This is what got me through that time of transition. And it's also the way I live every day. And uh, I'm so thankful. You know, I've had to deal with banks, lawyers, attorneys. I've had to deal in all kinds of realms that I never had to before. And I I was not as knowledgeable as they were in their realm. But I had the advantage because I had the Holy Ghost, the divine genius in me. And my only decision I had to make through all the many decisions, the only decision I had to make was follow what the Spirit said. Now, the key was I had to recognize what the Spirit was saying. And there again, skill comes into play just through practicing. And how many of you know the Holy Ghost will train you on following Him on the unimportant things of life? I remember years ago, I would go into a store and I'm, I'm possibly getting ready to buy, you know, a piece of furniture. I'd have the money for it. I had the need for it. And I'd go in there and the Holy Ghost would check me and say, don't buy that. And I'd go, I don't understand why I can't buy that. That's what I want. That's the, I have the money for it. But what was it? The Holy Ghost was using the unimportant to train me on in following his leading. And then he would always have something better for me after that. So whenever you have, you're you're just conducting the daily things of life and all of a sudden you have a prompting, don't do this or do do this. 
follow that. You say, well, why? It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal to the situation, but it's a big deal to your spiritual training. He's trying to train you on the unimportant. So when the emergencies of life come, you already know how to follow him. Amen. Amen. And so this is such an important book, uh, following the Holy Spirit. Uh, the greatest, the greatest leading you'll ever get is the inward witness. Now listen to me. So many people, they'd love a prophecy. They would love a word. They wouldn't mind a vision. They'd be glad if an angel showed up and brought a message. They'd be fine if Jesus stood in front of them. But none of those are a higher leading than the leading of the inward witness. The devil can imitate dreams. The devil can give a prophecy through someone who really loves the Lord, but still people can miss it. Uh, the devil can, uh, you can hear a voice audibly that speaks to you. The devil can reproduce all of those outward things, but there's one thing he cannot reproduce. It's the inward witness. The inward witness is the safest way to be led. It's the highest way to be led. It's not the most dramatic way. So people think because it's not dramatic, it's not as important. Don't be led by the dramatic. And so many, the devil would love for you to get more impressed with the dramatic than with what is sound. And uh, I don't look for dramatic things to happen. I just follow the leadings of the spirit all the time. And uh, we, I can't tell you the, the, the wonderful victories that have been won just by following the simple leading of the spirit. I've uh, dealt with uh, millions of dollars and made decisions one decision worth a million dollars easily on nothing more than the inward witness. I didn't have a voice. I didn't have a feeling. I didn't sense anything powerful. I just had a sense that's the right thing to do and uh, become skillful at following the Holy Ghost. Amen. He is the divine genius in you that will make you look so much sharper than you ever are. <laughs> Amen. And so following the Holy Spirit, it'll keep you sound. I said, it'll keep you sound. And then we have this one. This one just came back into print. It'd been out of print for a long time. A supernatural prayer life. Uh, be very careful of who you read on when it comes to the subject of prayer. Because the, de the devil would love to insert error into your prayer life. Because he's the one who suffers from your prayer life the most. And uh, he would love to insert some errors so that he can cut down on your effectiveness. And uh, so uh, this is just good sound teaching on a supernatural prayer life. Uh, you like the, the cover of this? My, my son drew that. My son, he's done nearly, well, some of the older covers he didn't, but he's done nearly all of these newer ones. And so I'm pretty proud of him. He does a good job. Plus he works for cheap because I tell him to. <laughs> no, that's not true. I, I do pay. <laughs> but let me just tell you, uh, I, I called him um, the other day. I was wanting to do the worship book and God said to me, I want the worship book out by your ladies conference. And so we had nine days. So I had to write it. Uh, we had to get it typeset. Uh, we had to edit it. And my son had to do me a cover and that cover that, that boy can put out a cover in 15 minutes, wow. a good one. Yeah. Because when you, when you gifted, you know, and then when you got mama on the phone and says in 20 minutes, I want that thing in, in my office. And so it's, it's good to have children that work for you. You can boss them around real, real good. 
And uh, my children are a blessing to me. All, they all help me in the ministry. And uh, I tell you, it's wonderful to run your race with, uh, with your children. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, go with me if you would. We're going to pick up where we left off last night, but we're going to go a little further with it. Uh, Jude, if you would go with me to the book of Jude and uh, that one chapter there in Jude, and we want to see something that is written in verse three, and I'm going to read out of um, I'm going to read out the King James translation. Jude and uh, chap verse three. He was writing and he said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. So basically Jude said, I was going to write you a letter. And the letter was, I was going to talk to you about our common salvation. Well, what's he mean by common salvation? Well, salvation that belongs to the Jew and the Gentile. That it's the same thing, that the Gentile didn't get a different salvation than the Jew that they all had the same salvation. And so he said, I was going to write to you about a common salvation, but basically while I was getting ready to write you this letter, he said this, he said, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you. So now he changes what he's writing. The Holy Ghost redirected him. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is saying, it's not a message on common salvation that they need right now. This, what I'm fixing to tell you is what they're needing. And so he changed what he wrote to them. And he said, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So basically he's saying this, he's saying the original faith that was delivered to them of the gospel was being destroyed by false teaching. There was false teaching coming in and he said earnestly contend for the faith. Now notice the act, the activity of these adjectives, earnestly contend for the faith. So he says it's a faith that was once delivered to the saints. What is this? That people who have gotten revelation from God, light from God, once they pass on this off the scene, then the devil tries to insert false teaching in to try to undo the light that these men had brought. So he said, it's your job to contend for the light that came through previous men of faith. How many of you know it's our job to contend for what Dad Hagen brought and what Dr. Summerall brought and what Ed Dufresne and different leaders that God raised up as voices in previous eras. It is our job to contend for the light, contend for the faith that was delivered from that through them. And notice this, if we don't contend for it, it will be lost. Let me tell you what the church looks like when light is lost. Here we have the apostles that carried on after Jesus' death and uh, after he left and went to heaven, they carried on. But over time, men quit contending. And you end up in the 1500s, around the 1500s with Martin Luther. 
And what do you have? You have Martin Luther. He's, he's climbing the steps of the Scala Santa. Uh, it's with broken glass all over the steps, and he's climbing it on his knees, grinding his knees into, the, into that glass, paying the price for his own sin, trying to do penance for his own wrongdoing. This is what happens when light's lost. Men are out trying to do things to try to earn what has already been won. The light lost costs men everything. Yeah. And because Martin Luther was hunger, a voice uh, was hungry, a voice came to him and says, Martin, the just shall live by faith. And there came this revelation back that had been lost, that the just shall live by faith. And he nailed, of course, the 95 Thesis there on the, the church door. And in three months, the light of his revelation went through all of Europe in three months. Three months. What was it? Because light had to be regained. There, it's sad that light has to be regained. Why? It's saying that people lost it. If we're not careful, we're in that time. I was telling Pastor... Last night, I got saved in 1980, and I was 19 years old, and I got saved and went immediately uh, got hooked up with Dad Hagen. And uh, he did not have to look cool for me to listen to him. He was in his six, late 60s or so. I was 19 years old, and I didn't think, oh, he's not cool enough for me to listen to. When you're hungry for truth, you don't care what the package looks like. Truth is truth. The Word is the Word. And he didn't have to change his message because I was younger. Amen. And so I got saved in the Word of Faith movement. And so I had only ever known what the body of Christ looks like in a revival situation. But in the last 10 to 15 years, the light has been going out because people aren't contending for what was once delivered to the saints. They're looking for something new instead of contending for what was once delivered. That doesn't describe us. We're not letting go of the light looking for what's popular, looking for something that men have figured out in the natural that's more effective. There's nothing more effective than the light of the Word because the darkness cannot comprehend the light. Amen. The darkness cannot overcome it. And so the devil is always trying to offer something popular to people so they'll let go of the light. I'm not interested in what's popular. I'm not interested in what a round table of men have figured out as what should be going on in the body of Christ. Amen. I'm contending. And notice this, earnestly contend. Why? Because the devil's always sending, he's always trying to insert something else into uh, the flow of what's going on in the body of Christ to weaken the light, to get the light out, to get people laying hold of something other than the light. And Jude said, I was going to talk to you about your common salvation and what belonged to you in your common salvation. But when I was going to do that, God said, there's something more needful. And that is teach him to earn contend for the faith. I want you to know your life needs faith. And if you don't know faith, and if you are not skilled in faith, you're going to suffer at a time of emergency in a way God does not intend for us to suffer. It mattered the day my husband went home to be with the Lord that I had faith. It mattered. And thank God that God loves me, but we have to know more than God loves me. You have to know when the devil shows up what to do. You can't just say, the Lord loves me. You have to know. Uh, 
no weapon formed against me yes. will prosper. You have to know how to answer him. Yes. You have to know how to stand your ground when your body and your mind is feeling all kinds of opposition. And it's not just about the pastors contending. You have to contend for the faith. You need your own faith. You need a growing faith. You need a robust faith. You need an exceeding growing faith because your life calls for faith. The plan of God that he has for your life, you can only fulfill it one way and it's by faith. Amen. Amen. The grace of God has provided everything, but the faith of God is what receives it. And we have the God kind of faith in us. Amen. And too many times people are misunderstanding what's being taught about grace is that grace does everything. Grace provided everything. But faith, faith is all that can receive what grace has already provided. Grace is God's part. Faith is man's part. And that's why he said earnestly contend for the faith. If we lose our faith, we lose our ability to conduct business with heaven. How are you going to receive anything from heaven without faith? You can't do it. Can I tell you what faith... It's not faith that heals you. It's not faith that saves you. It's not faith that causes prosperity to flow in your life. You know what faith is? Faith is a pipeline. It says that we are saved by grace through faith. What does that mean? Faith is a pipeline. And that, therefore, the grace of God, the power of God, the ability of God can flow through that pipeline of faith. When we have our faith pipeline in place, then God's power can reach our need. You understand that? But God, everything has to flow through this pipeline, this conduit of faith. And he said, earnestly contend for the faith. What's he mean? Have faith in place so God has something to access your life through. Amen. Earnestly contend. You know, when they built this building, it doesn't matter that you build a building if you don't build the, you don't put in water lines, you don't put in power lines. You've got to put in conduit. You've got to put in channels that you can run things through. Otherwise, all you have is a structure. And what's happening today is people are building structures in churches, so to speak. Got a lot of people gathered, got a lot of chairs in there, but there's absolutely no power flowing because there's no faith that they can access that power with. Amen. It is our job to lay the faith line in our lives. Amen. And the good thing about it, we don't even have to come up with our own faith. God provides the faith. But we are the ones who have to lay it. You know, in this building, uh, whenever it was built and whoever did all this work, there was a contractor. And then he had subcontractors under him. So the contractor's job was to make sure all the the supplies were here, all the materials were here. But it was a subcontractor's job to put in all the stuff. God is the contractor. We're the subcontractors. God's provided the faith. It's our job to lay the pipeline of faith. God's provided all the healing. It's our job to make sure it's flowing. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your pastor cannot lay faith in your life. All your pastor can do is teach you how to lay the faith in your life. Amen. Amen. It's not the pastor's job. It's our job. Earnestly contend for the faith. And it's so, it's so, it's so, so noticeable here with this wording, earnestly contend for. We're not contending against. Yeah, right. That's right. 
I'm not against anything bad. I'm for everything that's right. Yeah. And when I lay the faith pipeline, then that will, that will protect me against anything else that is against my life. Amen. So many people are contending for the wrong thing. So many pastors are contending for numbers. They're contending for popularity. They're contending for certain things. Uh, there are people in the body of Christ who are contending for money. They're contending for position. Well, God wants you to increase, absolutely. But he tells you how it's going to come. Contend for faith because faith will yeah. deliver everything yeah. to, into your life that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Faith yeah. is the pipeline that the blessing of God flows through yeah. to reach your life. Amen. Yeah. Earnestly contend for the faith. And then if I could say this, protect the faith pipeline. Yeah. Once you laid it, don't let it become damaged through offense, unforgiveness. Right. You know, they can, uh, uh, at our church, my oldest son, he takes care of all of our properties. He takes care of all the business side. He takes care of the lands and he, the buildings, the structures, everything. He's so skilled in so many different things that he oversees it all. And uh, several years ago, they called him one Sunday morning and they said, Stephen, we have a problem down here. He said, what is it? They said, well, uh, the sewage line under the parking lot broke. And so now there's... The sewage has spilled over all into the parking lot on a Sunday morning. Well, what was it? Somebody was doing something and uh, they, it, they damaged one of the pipelines. It doesn't matter that there's a pipeline laid. If it's damaged, it's not going to flow right. Yeah, right. So once you lay your faith pipeline, you have to protect your pipeline. Yeah. Amen. Protect your faith. I cannot allow offense in. It will destroy my faith pipeline. And if my faith pipeline gets destroyed, I can't receive the healing I need. I can't receive the provision I need. Why? Because it will leak out and it won't reach its, 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 its destination of my need. Amen. The devil would love it. He, it. Go ahead, lay a pipeline. The devil, the devil will let you go ahead and lay a pipeline as long as you damage it. And he'll offer you the opportunity to be offended. He'll offer you the opportunity to get bitter about something. Why? He's after your faith. I said he's after your faith. Be, be aware the devil wants your faith because it's people who have faith in God that are the ones who are going to change things on this earth that are going to receive things from God. Amen. Amen. And so he said, earnestly contend for the faith. Now Luke chapter 18, and I'll just quote it to you for time's sake. Luke chapter 18 and verse 8. The Amplified says this. This is something Jesus asked. And he says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find... So he's looking for something when he comes back. Will he find... The King James says, will he find faith in the earth? The Amplified says, will he find persistence in faith yeah. on the earth? What's he talking about? Will he find a certain kind of faith? Right. What kind of faith? Persistence in faith. Well, what's that mean? A faith that doesn't quit. Yeah. Jesus is looking for somebody who has faith that will not quit, will not give up no matter how long it takes, no matter what opposes it. This is what Jesus is looking for. Why? Because this is what will enable Jesus to come back. Because people of faith have been reaping the harvest. They won't quit. They won't quit. They won't quit. Amen. It is no... It is no coincidence that before the last day revival, Dad Hagen was raised up with the message of 
faith. Why? Because it's going to take faith to reap the last day harvest and bring Jesus back. No wonder the devil is trying to get the faith message out of the church. Because he's trying to stay on the earth longer. And he's trying to destroy the faith message. He's trying to belittle it. He's trying to put something else in front of it. He's trying to act like that you can do other things in the natural. Listen, there are other messages in the Bible by, uh, by, other than faith, but not any of them are more important than faith. As a pastor for 25 years, I had to teach on something besides faith. I had to teach on marriage. I had to teach on proper money management. I had to teach on raising your children. But if faith isn't there, it doesn't matter you got money. Amen. We're going to fulfill the plan of God by faith. Amen. Hallelujah. So we have to contend for it. Listen, you have to, faith just won't automatically show up. You have to go after it. The devil is after your faith. He wants to destroy it because he wants to keep you from conducting business with heaven. He doesn't mind that you're saved as long as you fail all through your life. Faith is what's going to keep us from failing. Amen. Hallelujah. Not only this, the devil would love for us to have the wrong version of faith. What, what's a wrong version of faith that never receives? People that know the principles of faith that aren't skillful with it. They don't know how to receive. Or how many of you know this? Uh, there's the kind of faith that God responds to, and it's called this, the God kind of faith. Mark 11, verse 22, Jesus was talking. He said, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. This is the right version of faith. Amen. Amen. And there are people that are less knowledgeable about the word that try to offer a different version. They'll just say, well, the Lord loves you. Just live pleasing to the Lord. Well, that's good and that's right. But you got to know more than the Lord loves me. As Norval Hayes said this, uh, the Lord loves the bluebirds. And the bluebirds love the Lord. But you got to know more than God loves me. When the devil shows up, listen, when my husband went home to be with the Lord, I had to know something more than God loves me. I had to know how to tell Satan, you take your hands off this. You take your hands off that. I had to know, I had to have some knowledge of the word. Amen. Amen. And you have to contend for this. I said you have to contend for it. If we aren't receiving what we need from the Lord and what we're believing for, it's because we have a wrong version of faith. We're going to have to correct our version. What's our version? Sometimes people have a version, well, if I feel it, then I know I have it. Well, that's a wrong version. Amen. Amen. We believe we receive no no matter what we see. Amen. So we earnestly contend for the faith because faith is simply a pipeline. You know, in a time of war, whenever countries are at war with one another, one of the main strategies that they'll do toward one another is they'll go after pipelines. They'll go after bridges. They'll go after access. Pipelines are nothing but an access. Bridges are nothing but an access. Why? Because if they can cut off a certain territory and isolate them, they can't get they can't get food supplies through. They can't get certain water. So if the water lines are destroyed and attacked, if they can't get oil, they'll just do all kinds of things. Why? Attack the pipelines. You know what? The devil, that's exactly what he's after, the, the pipeline of faith in your life. Yeah. That's what he's after. Right. Amen. Because Amen. without the pipeline of faith in place, he can cut you off from the blessings of God. Right. Well, praise the Lord. So we have to earnestly contend for it. Now, one way we contend for it, it's like we said last night, become skillful. It doesn't matter 
if we have the power of God available to us, if we're not skillful with it, we won't benefit from it. And we can't help other people benefit from it. Hallelujah. So last night, and I'll just repeat for those who may not have been here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, uh, Paul was writing, he said, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Notice this, that your faith might stand in the, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The power of God is present, but you have to have faith in it to benefit from it. And he said that your faith would stand in the power of God, not waver, but stand in the power of God. And then I quoted something that Dad Hagen relayed to us, that Jesus appeared to him on one occasion and said, when I was on the earth, I was the power of God. If people needed power, they had to get to where I was. That's why the people thronged me to touch me because they recognized power flowed from me. He said, but then when the Holy Ghost came to earth, he said, then the Holy Ghost is the power of God. And because the Holy Ghost is present everywhere, power is present everywhere. Meaning this, you are to develop your faith in the power that is present. It's in your home. It's in your car. It's in your kitchen. It's in your place of business. It's in your den. You don't have to wait to come to church on Sunday morning and have pastor pray or believe with you. Now you can, but every time you rely on someone else's faith, you lose skill with your own. And you need to take advantage. We all need to take advantage of every opportunity to develop our faith because either someone, either we're going to need it or someone we come in contact with is going to need it. Amen. And so Jesus said that to him. He said the power of God is present everywhere because the Holy Ghost is present everywhere. We talked about it last night. When did it become present? On the day of Pentecost. Yeah. That's when the Holy Ghost left his residency of heaven and made earth his residence. Can I tell you this? On the day of Pentecost, the earth got wired with power. Divine power. Can I tell you this? On the day you got born again, you got wired with divine power. And can I tell you this? Power makes life better. Did you get up this morning and use a hairdryer maybe? I did. Every day I use a hairdryer. And let me tell you what, all of this looks better for one reason, power. Without power, we look like we didn't have power. Power makes life better. How many of you would have arrived in the same shape if you would have had to ride a horse to, to, to church today? Saddle that thing. Ride that thing. But now there's no, there's different degrees of power present in the earth that men are benefiting from and it makes life better. Now, if men's power that men generate can make life better, think about divine power that is present. It can not only make life better, it will alter life. The power of God is so impressive. You know, you have men that are dealing with men's bodies. You know, if someone's diagnosed with some terminal disease, cancer or something like that, they have power. Men have, you know, invented some forms of power that can help. But the only thing is men, haven't, men have not learned how to kill the cancer without killing the body. Right. So they have to give medicines and other treatments to undo. Right. But the power of God is so impressive. It is so impressive that the power of God can go in and target one cell. 
and make everything whole. Leave every other cell that it's connected to completely untouched. It's so, it is so impressive. And that's the power that's available to faith. Amen. That's the power that's working for us. Now think about it. Uh, electrical power has always been present in the atmosphere since the earth was created. So from the time of Adam, for almost 2,000 years, electrical power was here, but no one was benefiting. Why? Because someone did not take initiative to study it, learn it, become skillful with it. And all of a sudden, during the time around Benjamin Franklin, men around his time period began to take some initiative. Benjamin Franklin's out one day, he's looking and there's a storm out and there's lightning bolts going across the sky. What, the, what is that? Power. Yeah. And he begins to think, can I on purpose make contact with that power? Or do I have to wait for it to come to me? Can I go to it? Right. So he sends up a kite, puts a key on that, that kite string, sends it up and makes on purpose he made contact yeah. right. with that power. Yeah. Right. He didn't have to wait for that power to come to him. Right. He good. went to it. Yeah. Ah, what's he learning? Yeah. Ah, there's some laws that govern electrical power and I'm tapping into it. Uh-huh. Then him and other men begin to, they begin to think about, wait a minute. If I can make, if we can contact that power, can we generate something like it? And they begin to generate little electrical currents. And they thought, well, can we take that power and store it? And then can we take that power that's stored and assign it? That's all electrical plants are. It's power that has been generated by man, stored, and then assigned and sent. And this all came from somebody like Benjamin Franklin who started saying, wait a minute, there's electrical currents in the air. What if we can become skillful with them and use them for our benefit? Harness it. Right? And because of that, we have this because someone took initiative. It had been here all along. If God, if it was all up to God, why didn't it show up with Adam? Come on. Why didn't all this show up with Adam? Because it's not up to God, it's up to man. God wired the earth with power, and it's up to man to discover what governed it. On the day of Pentecost, the earth got wired with power. On the day of your salvation, you got wired with power. Now notice this: it's up to you to discover how to operate with this power, what governs it, what causes it to flow, what keeps it from flowing, what hinders it, what shuts it down, what grieves the spirit and causes him to lift off of me. Well, the Bible says the Holy Ghost will never leave me. No, he's in you, but his, his pleasure can lift off of you. I've had him do that at times. When I disobeyed or something and the pleasure of God lifted off of me. Amen. Well, see, I learned by that. Yeah. Don't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> or don't say that or don't think that, right? Why? Because this power that's present and available, it's up to us to become skillful with it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. And uh, if people aren't interested in becoming skillful, it won't bother them. <laughs> but it will work for someone who says they want to be skillful. Yeah. So Jesus said there's enough power 
He said, because the Holy Ghost is present everywhere. There's power present everywhere. Then he said, there's, there's enough power in every sick room and in yeah. every hospital room yeah. to raise up that yeah. sick one. What's power here to do? Raise up. Raise up. Raise up your finances. Raise up your marriage. Raise up your home. Raise up your... Raise up. It's not here to destroy. It's here to raise up. Bring it to another level of operation. Bring it to another level where God is moving and manifesting. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's up to us. I said it's up to us to become skillful with this. It's up to us. Now go with me if you would in your Bibles. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And in verse 16, Paul is uh, a, a prayer that Paul prayed by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit no doubt gave him this. He prayed this way. And this is recorded for our benefit. He says, I cease not to give thanks for you. How do you keep from being offended with people? Give God thanks for them. <laughs> Sometimes you have to do that in faith, don't you? <laughs> Listen, you don't keep offense out of you just for somebody else's benefit. It's completely for your own. He said, I cease not to give thanks for you. And this is the context, making mention of you in my prayers. Now notice this. Can I say this? Making mention. He didn't say laboring hard, laboring long. Just he made mention. Mm -hmm. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are times that we will spend longer periods in prayer to accomplish some things, to work with the Holy Ghost in some things. But don't get the idea that every prayer has to be long. Sometimes it can just be a mention. Paul said, I make mention of you in my prayers. When you're releasing faith, mention is enough. If you're not releasing faith, hours of prayer will never get it done. It's not about how long, it's are you releasing faith. Can I say this? In our church, we'll have people take off dancing in the Holy Ghost. Not this practice stuff of... to the beat. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost comes on and they yield to that and they will dance in our church. They will take off running in our church or they'll shout in our church. And you say, well, that's weird. It is weird if you're not releasing faith. But if you're releasing faith, it now becomes an avenue that faith is expressed through and released through. There, I was in one service. uh, I was holding a a meeting in in, uh, New York several years ago and a pastor's wife was there and during the praise and worship service she took off running around the building and uh, she came back to her chair and she said I didn't want to run she said nobody else was running but the Holy Ghost said to me run so she said I took off running and when I did she says I I, I was releasing faith in what God said to me Mm -hmm. she said I got back to my chair and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said you just ran in your new home And within a week, they got a a home by, I mean, uh, like an 8,000 square foot home, miraculous, supernatural. See, running does no no good unless you're releasing faith. Dancing in the Holy Ghost does no good unless you're releasing faith. Praying does you no good unless you're releasing faith. Amen. We're faith people. 
Everything we do, whatsoever is not of faith is sin, is what the Word says. We release our faith. Amen. Amen. So Paul said, making mention of you in my prayers, how can a mention ever be enough when you release your faith? That's how come it can be enough. Making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Or can we say the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you, of, 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 of who you are in Him and what's he, what He's provided? Verse 18. Now this is the knowledge He wants you to have. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The eyes of your spirit. See, your, eye, your spirit has eyes. Yeah. Let me tell you when th- the faith flow works for you is when your spirit sees it. Not just when you're, not just you trying to grab something with your mind. It has to dawn on your spirit. That's when it works for you. The eyes of your spirit. He says, I'm praying that the eyes of your spirit would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. Now let me break that down for you if I could. Know what is the hope of his calling. He said, I pray that you would know what is the hope of his calling. What does that mean? It's this. He'd pray that you know who you are in Christ. That's the hope of his calling, who you are in Christ. And he says, I'm praying that this will dawn on your, that you'll see it with the eyes of your spirit, who you are. And then it says that you may know what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What does that phrase mean? That you may know what you have because you're in Christ. The riches that belong to you, what belongs to you because you're in Christ. And then this other phrase, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? This is what you can do because you're in Christ. So he's saying this basically, I'm praying that you would see who you are, what you have, and what you can do. Who you are, what you have, and what you can do. Notice this. He wants us to do something with what we have. He wants us to apply it. He wants our lives to benefit from it. But he also wants us to bring the benefit into the lives of others who don't know who they are, who don't know what they have in Christ. Amen. So I, I love this phrase. He says in verse 19 that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to who? To usward. His power is here to be in our direction. Yeah. Amen. Amen. His power is not just here for the earth. It's for us. It, it, yeah. We are the target of right. His power. Yeah. His, his family, His power is here for His family yeah. and for His family to take that power and change the earth with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. It's in our direction. Yeah. We, are, we were in mind. We were in mind when He put power on the earth. It yes. was with us in mind. Yeah. So he said that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. Now notice this, that when we, it takes the believing for the power that he's put in our direction to be activated. I so appreciate this. He said that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. Then look at the next phrase. According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought or worked in Christ, 
when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now notice this. He's talking about the power that's in our direction, the power that the earth is wired with, the power that you're wired with. And you know what he does? He compares it to the power that raised Jesus from yeah. the dead yeah. and set him at, at his own right hand. Yeah. That's the power that is in our direction. Resurrection power, ascension power. That's what's working and available to us. And then we have the audacity to worry about Where's my, where's my mortgage coming from? Are you kidding me? We are wired with power that raised Jesus from the dead and we're worried about where our mortgage is coming from? What is up with that? Lack of skill, lack of knowledge, not seeing in your spirit who you are, what you have, and what you can do. Amen. If that power can raise Jesus from the dead, listen, every demon in hell fought to hold back Jesus' ascension, fought to hold back Him being raised. That power defeated every single demon in hell that piled on Jesus trying to hold Him down and that power blew past every demon, every demon force and raised Jesus up. I'm going to tell you something. We are Satan's master. That's the power that is in us, is what it did for him. That's the power that's for your family, for your body, for your finances, for your children, for your marriage, for your, for your community. That's the power that we are dealing with. That's the power that's in us and available to us. And what's the problem? We don't know it. We've all been guilty of that, not knowing and just laying in bed and let our minds just follow thoughts of fear, bombarded with fear, and go, what is up with us? We are wired with resurrection power, ascension power, and we're laying here wondering where our next paycheck is coming from. We're here fearful, overcome with depression, and down under the load of what's around us. Are we kidding? What's up with us? I mean, like we got to talk to ourselves, straighten up, be who you are. Be who you are. In our church, I've pastored for 25 years. Uh, you say, how do you handle being a woman pastor easily? I forget that I'm a woman pastor. <laughs> being, this has, see, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be held by that natural yes. definition. I've had men come up to me in my 25 years of pastoring and say, I don't believe in women, women pastors. And I said, me neither. <laughs> I don't believe in them. I don't believe in them. I believe in anointed pastors. Yes. Being a woman is not going to set anybody free. Being a man is not going to set anybody free. But being anointed will break every yoke. So I don't get locked in on this natural stuff and try to dismiss myself from success because others don't like something natural. If I ignore it, they'll ignore it. If I make a lot out of it, then it, may, then it becomes a big deal. But I don't, I've, in 25 years, I've never had a church split. We've never come near a church split. We'll never have a church split. Why is that? Because I know who the boss is. It's called me. I'm the pastor. And there's certain things I don't put up with in my church family. You're not doing that in this church. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to go somewhere else because I'm the parent around here and I don't put up with certain stuff. Why? I'm in charge. That's what power does for you. It puts you in charge. 
The one with the power wins, baby. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Come on. Amen. I, I'm, I'm not big on, I, I don't, you know, uh, all my grandkids and stuff, they, all, they like all these superhero movies. What is it? It's a power against power. I want you to know there is no power that is anywhere near the equal, the power that is in our direction. We are far above. Our power is far greater. The devil cannot even come near. Does the devil have power? Yes, absolutely. There is power that he works with. Can I tell you what it is? The power of suggestion, the power of deception, the power of lies. And people hear that and they start believing it and they lay down their power because they heard something that frightened them. Listen, when my husband, when my husband went home to be with the Lord and I had so many business deals that I had to complete, I had dreams. Satan showed me dreams of things going wrong and I would wake up and I would do the exact opposite of what that dream said. <laughs> Why? I violate that power. Why? I got greater power. Yes. You say, well, Pastor Nancy, how come my life doesn't show that? You just, you just forgotten some things you needed to remember. Can I tell you this? When the devil opposes you, he also sends a feeling or an influence to help you feel what he's suggesting to you. And people believe the feeling. When fear shows up, You'll feel fear. Sure. When he says you're going to die early, you'll feel that way. When he says your business is going to go under, you'll feel failure. You will absolutely feel as though that thing happened to you. What is that? He sends an influence to try to persuade you to believe what he says. Why does he do that? Because he's an imitator of God. When God speaks to you, he sends the anointing. The anointing accompanies what God says, and that anointing is there to help you believe what God just said to you to encourage you to believe what he just said to you. The devil does the same thing. How do you ever receive what God says to you? You believe to it and remember, you believe it and remember it. How, how do, how does defeat get in people's lives? Because people uh, remembered what the devil said and believed it. Can I tell you something? If there's any part of your life that's troubled in any way, it's because you're believing the wrong thing. Seriously. If you're worried, fearful over something, it's because something of you is believing the wrong thing. If I were to sit here and I'd say to Pastor Sharon, Pastor Sharon, the left side of your hair just turned purple right now. Just the left side. Just the, the right side's good. But the left side just turned purple. She's not going to be troubled by that. Why? She doesn't believe it. But if she gets up and starts going to look at the mirror, oh, I got her. I got her believing a little bit. That's what the devil does. He suggests something to you. I'm going to kill your babies. I'm going to do this. You're, 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 you're not going to fulfill the plan of God. You're going to lose your house. And see, he suggests that and people go, they lay in bed and go, oh my gosh, I can't, I don't know where the money's going to come. Oh, see, uh, you're believing the wrong thing. Why? Because you forgot the power. To believe the wrong thing, you have to forget the power that's working for you or that's available to you. Praise the Lord. Benjamin Franklin and all these men who made these great scientific strides, what is it? They became skillful with the laws that governed these things. What is it that governs the law of God's power? What is it? It's the law of faith. What is the law of faith? Mark eleven twenty four 24 is the law of faith. Whosoever shall say 
Well, verse 23, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have. He, listen to this, he shall have. 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 Whatsoever he saith. That verse is simply saying this, things will obey you. Talk to them. Come on. The power that's in your mouth is expressed by talking to things that get in your way. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Then verse 24, therefore, what things soever you desire, here's the law of faith, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive and you shall have. The law of faith is believe you receive it before you see it. You go, I don't understand how I believe I receive it. Listen, your answer is in two, is in two realms. Every answer is in two realms. It's in the unseen realm and the seen realm. You have to believe it while it's only in the, in the seen and the unseen realm. If you'll believe it while it's still in the unseen form, then it will bring it into manifestation in the seen form. You understand that? That's the law of faith. When you believe you receive something, you're not believing something that doesn't exist. It does exist. Yeah. It just exists in the unseen right. realm. Right. Yeah. So you believe it's yours while it's still in the unseen realm. And when you believe it's yours, that will cause it to transfer to the seen realm. That's called the law of faith. Amen. And that's what activates the power that is available to you and me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you getting it? Yes. Then go with me and then we'll close with this. Acts chapter 6. And I tell you what, there's so much said in these meetings. You're going to have to hear, as Pastor Sharon said, you're going to have to hear this more than once. Can I tell you this? Full faith never comes with one hearing. Full faith never comes with one hearing. Why? Jesus is the author and the what? Things are not finished the day they're authored. He has to author. When something is said to you once and you hear it once, that's authored in you. But then now it has to be lived and and finished in you. And full faith doesn't come when it's authored. It has to go to the finish. That's why you have to hear what your pastor preaches over and over. These services, lady, hear them over and over. It's not enough that something's authored. You can't live off something just being authored. It has to be finished. You have to, you have to, see, uh, you have to see the finality of that thing in your spirit, not just a getting a glimpse of light. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 6. And uh, <clears throat> Acts chapter 6 it talks there in, in verse 1 about that there came increase in the body of Christ in the early the days of the, the the days of the early days of the church and that things began to increase and then there arose a murmuring among among the people that some of their widows were being neglected in the daily ministration notice this when increase came strife tried to come right This is what is always going to happen. When God seeks to increase you, the devil's always going to try to insert some strife because strife shuts down increase. If you're running into financial problems, make sure there's no strife in your home. 
Make sure you and your spouse are not in strife. Make sure there's no strife anywhere around your life because strife destroys increase. And so uh, in the middle of this, uh, the disciples said, uh, they said, well, let's look at verse 3. To resolve this, they said to the congregation, Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Notice this. He didn't say, we'll pick somebody and let you know who we pick. He said, y'all pick someone. Why did he say that? Well, because I know this as a pastor. People are always on their best behavior around pastor. (laughs) That the congregation knows who really has faith. Congregation knows what the talk is out in the foyer. Everyone talks faith around the pastor. We want to know who talks faith around the car. Who talks faith out in the foyer. And the disciples knew this. You as the congregation, you're going to know who these people are that bear the fruit in their life. And so he said, notice this, the three requirements. Men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and full of wisdom who we may appoint over this business. Notice this, the business of God needs people that are honest, full of the Holy Ghost, and full of wisdom. And that was just to serve food. (laughs) Why? Because people full of the Holy Ghost aren't going to put up with the fighting that's been going on. They'll shut it down. People that are full of wisdom don't enter into those kind of situations. And then verse 4, they said, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer in the ministry of the Word. Now, he's just talking about church leadership. The congregation has to do something more than give themselves to the prayer in the ministry of the Word. Right. They, they do those, but not to the same level that the ministry does because you've got to do the work of that ministry, right? And verse 5, and the saying pleased the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man, look at this, full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. Now go down to verse 8, and it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power. Now see, verse 5 said Stephen was full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. But here in verse 8, it said he was full of faith and full of power. To be full of the Holy Ghost is to be full of power. The Holy Ghost is the power of God. They're synonymous terms. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're full of power. You say, how do I know if I'm full of the Holy Ghost? They were all filled and began to speak. with other tongues. If you can do that, you're full of power. Why? Because you're full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 And so notice this. Then it says says in verse 3, let's look at verse 3 again. Wherefore, brethren, look look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. So notice this, all of the men, all the other six men plus Stephen were full of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that right? Right. Why was Stephen, it said here that he was the one who went about doing miracles. Verse 6, excuse me, verse 8, he did great wonders and miracles among the people. Now he's not a preacher. He's one picked to serve tables. He's a layman in the congregation. We know this, he's full of the Holy Ghost because he got chosen to serve. But these other men are full of the Holy Ghost. Why don't they have miracles? See, it says here, Stephen, 
He did great wonders and miracles among the people. The other men were, those other six men were full of the Holy Ghost. Why aren't they doing miracles? Because it says he was full of power and faith. Yeah, yeah. right. The others, it didn't say that they were full of faith. They were full of the Holy Ghost. Not only do you need to be full of the Holy Ghost, you need to be full of faith. You need to earnestly contend for the faith because the power goes into operation when you apply the laws of faith to it. And if if we're not full of uh, faith and we don't know the laws that govern faith, the power that's in us will be inoperative. What's the power in you supposed to do? What did it do through Stephen? Right. What's the power in you supposed to do? Verse 8 tells you great wonders and miracles among the people, not just in your own life, among the people. How do we know we're skillful with the power when wonders and miracles are happening among the people? People are saying, oh, God sent miracles. Are you kidding? That's not how they come. He's already sent power. He's wired the earth with power, wired you with power. When do miracles come? When we are full of faith and full of power. When we get full of faith, if we're not having miracles, we're lacking something. What is it? Faith. We don't like power. We're wired with it. I don't know about you, but I'm not okay with a life that doesn't have a flow of power. I lived that before I got born again. What about you? I'm done with that. I said, I'm done with that. Notice what it says, though, over in Hebrews. It talked about the the people, God, the Hebrews that God delivered out of Egypt. And it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, it said, The word preached did not profit them. Think of that statement. The word preached brought no profit. Oh, that can't be. The word always profit. No, it says the word preached did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in them. Not in the preacher, in them that heard it. It's not enough to be present in a service. Listen, I pastored for 25 years. I know what it's like to pour your life and pour your teaching into people and there's no profit, there's no evidence. They're, they're, they're still fussing their marriage. They still are behind financially. Their bodies still don't work right. Nothing's changing in their life. And you dump, you keep dumping the word. What is it? The word's not profiting them. Why? Because they're not mixing something with it. The word doesn't work until it's activated by faith. Faith activates the word and brings the word's, the word's power into manifestation. It has to be mixed with faith in them that heard it. How do you mix it? Your tongue is the mixer. You walk out of a service, and even while you're in the service and pastor is preaching that God will provide all your needs, and you're sitting there and you're listening, and you say, God God will provide all my needs. We're done worrying about this. We're done at dinner table hashing and rehashing this financial problem. I'm done talking about it like it's it's an issue. It's not a problem because power is available to deal with that. And you just sit right there and say, I'm done talking about it the way I used to. I apply the power of God. See, that's called you mix that power that's in you with the faith you're hearing, the word you're hearing with the faith that's in you. Amen. They have a product. I don't know if it's still out on the market. I saw it years ago advertised, but since uh, the kitchen doesn't like me and I don't care for the kitchen, (laughs) um, 
I don't, I'm not real skillful in there. I'm not very graceful in the kitchen, you know? It'll take me three times longer than it takes you as a good cook. But they used to have a profit, excuse me, a product. <laughs> that is a jug, just a plastic jug, and in it were the dry ingredients for pancakes. And all you had to do was put it under the faucet and mix a certain amount of water with it and shake it. That's it. That's it. That's all you had to do. And if you did it, you got pancakes. If you put it in the pan, put a little butter or whatever in the pan, and then get that pan hot, pour it in there, and then you got pancakes. But what if you have somebody that says, you know something, I bought this product, this product ought to perform. And so they take that dry ingredients and dump it in a hot pan. What's going to happen? You didn't mix something with it, baby. I don't care that you paid for it. I don't care that it belongs to you. But if you're not going to mix something with it, it's not going to turn out right. It doesn't matter what Jesus paid for. And it doesn't matter that it belongs to you. If you're not going to mix something with it, it's not going to work right for you. And then you can't decide, you know something, I need to get my veggies in on this. I'm not going to mix water with it. Let's do some V8. Let's just mix a little bit of V8. You know, isn't that a liquid? Yeah, it's a liquid, but you just can't mix any old thing and get it to taste right. You can't mix unbelief with the Word and get it to work. You can't mix worry with it and get it to work. You can't mix offense with it and say, I don't know why my faith isn't working. You can't mix unbelief with it and say, I don't know why God's not taking care of me. The right thing has to be mixed. Amen. Hallelujah. And the thing is, you don't even have to go to the store and buy it, baby. It's in you. God was so bent on our success and so committed to our success. Let me tell you, my husband had a, a computer brain that was, he could go to a city they could drive him from the hotel to the church. It didn't matter how far it is. He could go back 10 years later and still find the route. Yep. Yes. Every city he went to, it was the most amazing. He had a built-in GPS. We would be flying in the plane, you know, over, and he'd look down over nearly every part of the United States and go, that's such and such, and that's such and such. And he could point out cities to you from the plane. It was the most amazing thing. He didn't write hardly anything down. It was all held up in his brain. Now, me, I, 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 me, me in the organization store, we are best friends. I mean, I love organizer stuff. I love planners. I do all, everything is laid out. That man didn't write a thing down. <laughs> The problem was is that his pilot was the guy who did business with him and the two had conversations and neither one of them wrote a thing down. They both operated that way because if you're going to keep up with Ed, it had to be something more than on paper. You had to, you had to, so I learned to do both because I had to keep up with him and then I had to do my system too. But the problem is when they both died that day, all the business went down with them because those were the only two that knew all the business, you know. And so, but my husband, he kept everything here in his brain with, I mean, it was like a, it was like this computer chip, you know, but you got him home. (laughs) He didn't carry a wallet because it's too bulky. So what he'd do, he'd just keep his money and he'd fold it over and put a paper, you know, a money clip on it. And then he would slide in some credit cards and his driver's license in between that and that's where, that's how he functioned. And then he would come in, you know, and he'd have his car keys and he'd have his money clip. And uh, we have a, a table right there by the entry. 
I put my purse on it. I put my keys on it. If something's going to go to the office, I put it there. Everything is in a certain location. Because at the time, my son and his wife and, and our grandchild was living with us because they owned a home, but God was wanting them to get another home. And the way he wanted them to get another home was get out of the home they were in because then it'd be too easy to stay and not press. So they came and they lived with us for a short time. And so uh, Ed would come in. And I would say, just put your stuff right here. He would walk, and it would be in the pantry. He would drop his <laughs> keys, his money. It'd be in the pantry. Or he'd go over to the office over there and drop it over there. Or he'd take it back to his back room and drop it there. He dropped it in a different location every day of his life. I can't tell you how I tried to say this table that you're bumping into, just put it right there. As soon as you walk in, just unload it right there. And so he, nope, it wouldn't work. He'd just have to mindlessly, he had no idea where he put it. He'd just take it all out and drop it. And then he'd always say, somebody took my stuff. Every time, somebody took my stuff. Somebody took my money. Somebody, somebody moved it. Where did they move it from? I don't know. Well, then you don't even know where it was to even know that somebody took it and moved it. It was an ongoing daily conversation. He never said, I mislaid it. Never, 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 never. I mislaid it. Somebody took it. Somebody took it. Every day, somebody took his stuff. We had thieves in our house every day taking his stuff. And then when Bubby, the grandson, you know, they moved in when he was 10 months. So Bubby got blamed for everything. He took everything. But we all knew who took it. <laughs> God knows there are people like that in the world. If God laid power at the church only, people who don't know where they lay stuff would misput it. Right? People who can't keep up with stuff for some reason, they just don't think in that. Listen, that's not, it's just people's brains operate differently. I understand that. I lived with that for 30 years. I understand that. My job was his living secretary. I go behind you and I pick up everything. My, I just organize it. And, I, and then when you say where it is, here it is, baby. Here it is. Here it is, baby. That's my job. I understand that. It doesn't, it doesn't offend me. It doesn't make me mad. Whatever helps you, just whatever helps you get out the door with all your stuff, I'm good. That's my job. That's my job. I see that as my job. I take that as my job. But I'm so glad God was so committed to our success. He did not want us to misplace it. He put power in us. Never misplaced. You don't have to look and go, where is it? Where is the power of God? Where did it go? It's in you. It's in you. It's in you. Then it's not, oh, God, send it. No, no, no. It's in you. It's in you. Now, don't misunderstand me. Does a power come upon? Yes. But there's always a power in you for your daily life. The power that comes upon is to bless somebody else. And it really comes more so on, up on someone who's more so in the five-fold offices. That's where it's prevalently going to flow. But there's power in you that you don't have to look and say, Pastor, I just don't know where it is. I just don't know how. To. No, it's in you, baby. It's in you. It's in you. It's in you. It's in you. It's waiting for it to be mixed with something yeah. called faith. Yeah. As soon as you mix your faith with it, that power is going to spring up and going to begin to flow. Well, I don't feel it. It does. It, it's not about feeling, honey. The faith is unfelt. The faith is unseen. Can I? And the devil will tell you this. Then, if if you had faith, then your answer would show up. No, 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 devil. Faith isn't for what has shown up. 
Faith is for what has not shown up. Faith is for what's not visible. And the devil will always try to get you to misunderstand faith and accuse you that your faith isn't working because your answer hasn't shown up. No, my faith is for what has not shown up. Therefore, my faith is working. Amen. Hallelujah. There's power in you. What power? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that seated him, rose him, brought him up past every demonic power that opposed him, brought him past earth's atmosphere, took him on up and seated him in the highest heavens, seated him at the right throne of right hand of the throne of God. That's the power that's for you every day. Amen. What's it waiting on? One thing, your faith. Yes. Yes. Well, what is my faith? I believe in the power of God. What Paul said that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Stand with me this morning. Say this with me. I believe in the power of God. That power is in me to change everything that needs to be changed, to bring things that need to be brought to run out things that need to leave my life. So I say, the things I need, you come in Jesus' name. The things that need to be gone, you go from me in Jesus' name. The things that need to be done in my behalf, be done. Which Every day. Can we not give the power of God the same faithfulness that will flip the switch every day in the power of God? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you. We thank you for your power. We live by the power of God. You have put it in us. We believe in the power of God. The power is for our benefit. The power is so we can be a blessing to others. And so, Father, we thank you for bringing us into the light so that we can be skillful, gain light, so that we can become more and more skillful with this power that belongs to us. Can we not think this? Don't you think it would be a crime for a doctor to have the power to help a patient that was dying and him withhold that power to help? Wouldn't that be criminal? Don't you think that for us to fail to become skillful is criminal against the earth? This power is here to change lives, set people free. And just because we're not taking the time to be skillful with it as we ought, lives are suffering. That's, don't you think that it borders on the verge of criminal? If we have access to something. If we have access to something. Now, remember last night I talked about how when Jesus appeared to my husband and fire shot out of his eyes and said, you're not being skillful with the healing anointing. What was that? His displeasure in not being skillful. When we're not skillful with the power of God, it displeases him. Why? Because that power is here to bless. That power is here to help. And if we remain unskillful with it, then people that should have been helped, situations that should have been changed, that could have been changed, they weren't changed. And it's not okay for us to be okay with that. We've got to say, you know what? I'm not okay with it anymore. I'm not okay with my church not having the funds I need just because I haven't taken the time to become skillful with my prosperity. 
I'm not okay with people in the church who have, have absolutely, they, they don't have the training we have. And they're under, they're under you know, a, 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 they're under a weight of, of financial problems, uh, excuse me, of physical problems. It's not okay that I, I'm okay with them not receiving their healing right. when right. I'm offered. Yeah. Yeah. I'm offered that there can be a river of healing flowing yeah. out of me. Yeah. Jesus yeah. said that rivers flowing yes. out. There's healing rivers. There's prosperity yes. rivers. There's rivers of wisdom. There's rivers of revelation. He said rivers will flow out of you. Not river, rivers. rivers. Yes. Yeah. There'll be a spring of, there, there'll be a fountain that'll spring up. That's for your life. But the rivers that flow out are to water others. Yeah. And he didn't just say, it's one, it's one fountain that flows up for your life. He didn't say fountains. There's one fountain that your life needs. Amen. Yeah. But he said when it came to ministering others, rivers, rivers. of living yeah. water. Live yeah. rivers. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Because why? There's not just one flow. Yeah. Right. There's many flows. Yeah. And this power of God will bring into manifestation. Faith will bring into manifestation the power of God that will bless many lives. And yeah. it's not okay for us to just leave things as they are. Listen, ladies, this isn't just a ladies' meeting right, to right. say we cocked it off, we fulfilled it, it's on the calendar, right, right, done. Right, right, right. We have assignments. We have, yes. we have homework. Yes. Yes. yes, we do. I've taught my congregation every service I'm assigning you homework. Yeah. You better hear that homework and do it. Yeah. Because it's not what you're doing in church that's hurting you, it's what you're doing at home. Amen. This is for home. Yeah. Take it home Take and it home. let's live it. Let's not just say, well, I was at the meeting. I heard it. Yeah, we had a good time. I enjoyed it. Had good breakfast. Thank God for that. But I tell you what, we're getting direction for our future. We're getting direction for the end time harvest. These are things we, 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 we need to redirect. Well, we want, we want Jesus to come back. We want an end time harvest. This is how to have it. God said to me last month, it's time for miracles. This is how to have it. Not, it's not about praying God for God to do it. God's not the one withholding them. Ignorance withholds it. Lack of skill withholds it. Amen. We're not okay with being as we have been. I'm talking to myself too. All of us. We're not okay with being as we have been. We're here on assignment. We've got something big to carry out. Amen. Hallelujah. The pastor's vision that God that came from God, it's too big for us to sit back and just hope it happens. It's a big plan. Yes. And we've got to become skillful with the vision given our pastor. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. We have a job to do. I said we have a job to do. What is our job? As a local church, our job is the vision that God gave this pastor. That's the job. Amen. But where are we going to practice our skillfulness for the pastor's vision on our own lives? Amen. Hallelujah. It's not okay that going that, that this time next year, our finances are still at the same place. Our health is still at the same place. Our marriage problems are still at the same. It's not okay. It's not okay. And I'll, I'll let you know this. God will let you have everything you're okay with. I said this last night, and I mean it. Not, I probably, I, I probably say the percentage too small, but I said this: ninety-five percent of all you receive from God is initiated by you, not God. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. kingdom of heaven invites violence. The violent take it. Take it. What's yeah. God looking for? People who take. 
people who take everything that heaven has provided. Take it, take it, take it. Why? Because it does not flow automatically. It's faith that takes it. Take it, take it, take it. Amen. And not just, oh, well, I just hope it happens. No, no, no. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. What's a lion do? A lion takes anything yeah. it wants. You know why? Top of the food chain, baby. Yeah. Top of the food chain. Yeah. Can I tell you this? On this earth, we are top of the food yeah. chain, baby. The body of Christ is top of the food chain. Yes. Yes. Amen. Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. There's a lion in you. Can I tell you this? Uh, there's a lion in you. He said the righteous are as bold as a Lion. Why? Lions don't just sit back and wait for things to happen. Lions make things happen. Can I tell you something else that a lion does? It knows it's boss. When something comes up and acts like it's going to be a predator, you know what? We were, we were in Africa and we got to go on a safari. And you know, uh, all, the other, all the other critters we saw were running around, the hyenas. The giraffes, they were all up and running. There was one breed that was not running, the lions. They staked their place, and they just laid there and looked. This is exactly what they did. And they weren't being passive. They knew their ground. And their whole job was, I'm keeping you off mine. I'm keeping you off mine. Don't you try to take mine. That, that's mine over there. And we drove by. They didn't even get up. Why? They knew their place. Yeah. And they knew we were coming on, our pla- on their place. You know what they did? They were laying there and they, they heard us coming. They turned around and they looked. It's like not, there was no fear in their eyes. The hyenas were running around like they were crazy. The giraffes took off. The elephants took off. But those lions, they just laid right there undisturbed. Amen. If you're disturbed, you haven't, you haven't taken your seat in your rightful place yet. Lay down and occupy. But I tell you, as those lines were there, they weren't inactive. Laying there did not mean inactive. Those who, those who believe have entered into a rest. What, they, they lay down on their spot of victory. And they don't, get up, they don't get up when fear suggests something or lack suggests something. Them getting around, running up like, jumping up, running around like a bunch of hyenas with their heads cut off. They just laid there and look. And something tried to come up to them, got too close. They'd just look and everything else would back off. All they had to do was look at it. I tell you what, we're master. We are master. Satan is our subject. Tests are our subject. They are not our Lord. We're in charge. I said we're in charge and we got power in us to back us up. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Can I tell you this right now? What is it that you need? Take it. Take it. Amen. Amen. Just lift up your voice. Lift up your hand. Be thinking, what is it that you need to take? Take it right now. Is it increased finances? Take it. With your mouth. Open up your mouth. And you say it aloud. What is it that you're taking? Hallelujah. You take it. You take it. Hallelujah. What God's provided for you is waiting for you to take. Hallelujah. And then as you leave this place, you say, thank you, Father, I laid hold of that and it's coming. 
It's moving into my life. It's moving into my life. It's moving into my life. And don't get distracted by the calendar and the clock. Don't say, well, how long is it going to take? Let me tell you what faith does. As long as faith has a calendar and a clock, it's not the God kind of faith. Bible faith doesn't look at a clock and it doesn't care about the calendar. Bible faith hooks on and it doesn't come off until that thing comes into manifestation. How long is it going to take? Doesn't matter how long. Faith doesn't care how long. I'm staying clamped on until that thing comes into manifestation. I'm not backing up, giving up, or going out. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whatever you need physically right now, you can reach up and take it. The, the anointing is here. The power of God is here for you to reach up and receive anything you need physically right now. You can take it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, uh, since my husband went home to be with the Lord, one of the things I noticed about me, I got louder. <laughs> And uh, because I'm in the house by myself, I talk to myself all the time. I am so loud. I go, oh, yeah, though it's nice out today. Oh, I think I'll go get me a shake. You know, I just say it all right out loud. I don't just say it under my breath. And I've noticed this. I deal with God out loud in a, in a, in a different way. I deal with the devil the same way. There's one thing I don't. I don't whisper to the devil. And when, I, when it says that, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. The violent is not really quiet. It's not a quiet flow. Can I just say this? The bolder you are, that's going to be heard. Yeah. Boldness is heard. Yeah. Amen. 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 Practice boldness in your taking. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Money, you come. Health, you come. Yes. Pain, you get out. Yes. Amen. Amen. Don't, don't, don't spend your life whispering. Yeah. That's right. I'm talking about when it comes to spiritual things. Don't spend yeah. your life whispering. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's worship Him. Father, we thank you. We purpose to be doers of what we hear. Purpose to be doers. Doers of your word. The Word profits us because we mix faith. The Word profits us because we mix faith. The Word profits us because we mix faith. The Word profits me. The Word is, the word is profiting my life, profiting my family. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I know that she, she had uh, ministers that were here last night that raise their hand, but if you're all, if you're in the full time ministry, and uh, I'd like to lay hands and impart to you, if you would, if you would like to, you don't have to, but that's available to you. If you're in the full time ministry, come up here and we'll minister to you. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, congregation, just reach your hands out toward these because listen, when they get it, you get it. When ministers get more, they go back and impart it to their own people. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Just step on up, love. Just step on up. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah.
Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 11, he said, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual thing to the end that you be established. And uh, we used to go to Dad Hagen's meetings because uh, every time we went, we got something. It wasn't just teaching we got. Something went in our spirits that would help us for the length of our race. And uh, that would happen while he was preaching. He didn't have to lay hands on us. In fact, he seldom laid hands on ministers. But that would happen around conversations, around dinner tables. It would happen just sitting under his services. But it can also happen through the laying on of hands. And uh, you say, what is it that is, that's imparted? Whatever you need. Amen. But you have to receive it. Amen. You have to take it in. And there's nothing that is, is um, for me, is more dissatisfying when I sense that anointing leave my hands and go into their body and then come right back out of their body. It has to be received. I want it to go in and I want it to do a work in you. Amen. So those of you that are up here, just, just uh, hold out your hands in front of you like this and I'm going to come and you say, what is it that I'm going to receive? Well, God knows whatever it is that you need. You just say, Father, whatever impartation you have for me, I take it. I receive it. And can I say this, when I come to you, if you want to be praying in tongues until I get to you, that's fine. But when I come to you, stop praying in tongues because I don't want you giving out. I want you receiving in. Amen. And I've seen that when people pray in tongues, it keeps, it keeps them from receiving in uh, as fully as they could. And so we want you to receive all that God has for you. Amen. Congregation, you just reach out your hands toward these precious ladies up here. Father, we thank you for that which you have for them. The equipping, the giftings, that what you have assigned, blessed in Jesus' name. Receive in Jesus' name. Blessed in Jesus' name. Receive that anointing. Blessed in Jesus' name. Receive what God has for, what God has for you. Receive that in Jesus' name. 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 Receive in Jesus' name what he has for you. Receive in Jesus' name what he has for you. We thank you, Father. Receive that in Jesus' name. Receive in Jesus' name. Ah, hmm. Father, I thank you for extended life. <laughs> I thank you for long, 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 long life. Long years of, many years of fruitful service. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for divine strength for the distance. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Father. Blessed in Jesus' name. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Be blessed. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Father. 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 Hallelujah. 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 And I proclaim over every pastor that is here, every ministry represented here, every church family that's represented in this place and over this congregation. Just reach up your hands and receive it. I proclaim divine 
increase in Jesus' name. I proclaim divine prosperity. Your pastor's vision needs your increase. And I proclaim another degree of the anointing. I proclaim another level of the anointing. Another level of revelation. Another level. Pastor Richard, another level. Another degree. Another degree of revelation. Another room of revelation in Jesus' name. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Father. We receive it. We receive it. We receive it in Jesus' name. We receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to have you do this. Those of you in the congregation, just grab hands with the person next to you. Leave the aisles open. Don't go across the aisle. But just grab hands with the person next to you. Just stand up, if you would, to your feet. Grab hands with the person next to you. Hallelujah. Pastor Ruby, you go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Receive it when it comes. Don't just stand there. Receive it. Receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Receive it. Receive it. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. We praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, Father. We praise you, Father. You say, well, what's that doing? What do you need the anointing to do for you? What do you need the anointing to do for you? Assign it with your faith. Say, I receive that anointing into that situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. 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 We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Now just come up this aisle, Pastor Ruby. This aisle right there. Just come up that aisle and do it. Now, Mama, just, yeah, down that aisle. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you. 
We thank you for what you're working in us. We thank you for the deposits made, the impartations made. Father, for the word that has been delivered, we thank you for the light. We earnestly contend for the faith. As we leave this place, we have our homework. And we say we're faith people. The just shall live by faith. And we thank you that we are full of the power of God. Now we feed our faith. We increase our faith. We release our faith. We contend for the faith. We'll not let the light of that go out. But we say it burns bright in our lives and bright in this local church, bright in my church. And I thank you, Father, that the faith life is the best life. And it's the best life you've authored for us. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Pastor. was phenomenal. I mean, yes, hallelujah, stirred me. Um, you know, I just want to, uh, as we were driving in today, Pastor Richard was telling me, he says, you know, I'm, during my